right, Chas Smith, welcome back to The Grit for February 15th, 2018. Thanks for having me. This is my second time back since post-debacle, post-dust-up. Reunited. Yeah, and it it feels feels so good. It feels so good. I was hoping you wouldn't say that. In the offices, too. Yeah, right where it went down. Which offices are we talking about? We're at the Surf Rider Foundation offices, who are the most wonderfully kind organization on the face of the earth to have a little dust up to have sheriffs come and visit them and then even after all that allow us back in to to create our magic here i i was kind of shocked tremendous grace and i think uh character exhibited by Surfrider foundation i will say yeah this kind of stuff i mean it's never in my life i don't think have i caused a a problem and then been invited back especially when there's when there is, yeah, corporations and foundations and and whatnot involved. That's the thing. There's a whole board of people. We're yeah. not just trying to convince one person, nope. you know? So, yeah, we'll get into that in a second. I also want to say this is our first episode ever being recorded on film, video, digital. It's exactly what the world needs. Do you know why? Why? No, I have no idea. Don't you wish that last episode would have been recorded? I mean, two totally, episodes ago? totally. But there we're going to have to start bringing guests in. That's true. That's true. Otherwise, it'll just be incredibly boring. Yeah. Um, so we will have this video of this episode posted on YouTube. So listeners, follow on social media. We'll post links to it, that sort of stuff. The other thing I wanted to mention to you was I set up a rumor email account for people to send anonymous emails to. That's fantastic. Yeah. That makes me really happy. I was getting a lot of emails from people saying like, hey, please don't share my yeah. information or direct messages on Instagram and stuff. So. Somebody mentioned, they're like, you should just set up an account for people just to chime in whenever they want. Um, so that is on surfsplendorpodcast.com slash contact. It's a contact form. And it's anonymous, so you don't even have to put your email you don't in. Even You're not email. even data mining these these helpful souls. There's an option to include your information if you want, and I will credit you as the source, like your website or whatever, if you want that. But otherwise, completely anonymous. And that's a great idea. That's a great in. idea. Thanks. So anybody who's got any rumors, send them. They don't even have to be true. Rumors. No. So. Yeah. So Surfrider Foundation, basically. Um, since we last spoke, you wrote a piece on Beach Grit uh, following up the debate debacle that we had. Debate Gate 2018 yeah. is what I'm calling it. Branding it as Ashton filed a police report about the quote unquote altercation. He did. He went to the police. So what happened? I mean, I was minding my own business uh, and got a call from the Orange County. I think it was the Orange County Sheriff's Department. Uh, and they left an, a detailed message to call them back, and they had some questions about a, an incident. And then, so I did call back and had a good 20-minute talk with, uh, he was a detective, I think he said, and I do believe it was with the, I think he said he was with the San Clemente substation. Um, so all, I didn't know any of this kind of stuff, but yeah, he just said, hey, so we had a guy come in who said you assaulted him, and you don't have to answer my questions, but... Uh, you know, maybe if, if you'd like to, we could get this all cleaned up. He, he told me, he said he'd already talked to um, David Lee Scales at the time. Uh, and I don't think he had said that they had sent, sent sheriffs or detectives or whatever into the Surfrider Foundation, which apparently they did that too. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so I had a nice 20 minute chat with the man. Um, I got a phone call an hour before you, apparently. And it was the same thing, police officer. Um, and he's like, Hey, basically, are you willing to testify in a court of law? Yeah. <laughs> about the you are the only witness. Are you willing yeah. to testify in a court of law about this altercation that took place? And I was like, no, like not <laughs> at all. Like not even I'm not even willing to really have this conversation. Like this is a waste of our time. Yeah. He goes, well, he's like, I don't need to take your statement. 
if you're not willing to. And I go, look, honestly, this is not my official statement, but I'll tell you, this is a joke. Like this is a non-altercation. You can listen to the podcast. I retell it as it was. I'm friends with both Ashton and Chaz. And honestly, if either one of them were in any threat of danger, I would absolutely testify for that person. Yeah. <laughs> um, this was not that. This yeah. was super lame. Like it was not it was that. Really, it was embarrassing. Yeah. And I'm like, the it's fact that you're even wasting time on this to call me is it's a waste of your time. Yeah. Like this is it's kind of embarrassing. And he's like, well, I went by the Surfrider Foundation looking for you because in the initial report, they stated that you worked at Surfrider Foundation. That's amazing. And I was like, oh my God, dude. I was so mortified because for all I know, he comes in and talks to the girl at the front desk and is just like, doesn't explain what the real situation is. So she assumes I'm a deadbeat dad who's not paying his child That's support. Exactly, it's funny. It's and exactly the sheriff's coming. Thought. I was mortified. Yeah. Completely mortified. You know, I have a stellar reputation in the podcast community. You do, you do, you do. Yeah, I need to protect it. So um, I was very concerned just for the Surfrider Foundation that they were even dragged into it, aside from the police's resources and all that sort of stuff. So the reality is Surfrider Foundation donates this space for you and I for free. And I think we abuse the privilege. You you abuse the privilege. Um, And so I had also done an interview with the CEO, Chad Nelson, Actually, Dr. Nelson, I should refer to him oh. as because he is a doctor. Um, so I did an interview with him prior to that debate about uh, he, he was basically explaining the uh, offshore drilling situation that the Trump administration has announced the plans to expand. And he's actually in Washington right now lobbying really? for that. Yeah, yeah. Actually, oh. I'll just read a statement from their website about that because that's actually worth getting into for a minute. Um, Surfrider says, following the theme of of sacrificing the public's favorite natural areas for the benefit of oil and gas companies, the Trump administration has just announced plans to expand offshore drilling in the Atlantic, Pacific, and Gulf of Mexico, except along the coast of Florida, where Trump has major coastal real estate holdings. This is an overreach of past legislation, and the proposal puts our nation's coastal communities, beaches, surf breaks, marine ecosystems at risk of a catastrophic oil spill. It risks $115 billion of national economic revenue if the oil spill occurs. There's 12 times more jobs that are generated by ocean recreation and tourism than by drilling. So for listeners, super important cause, get involved at surfrider.org. You can donate directly for that cause. You could just become a member for 25 bucks a year. It's really a no brainer. So anyways, I had done that interview with Chad and, uh, after the debate happened or the non-altercation happened, I went home and I was like, shoot, maybe I should scrub Surfrider's name from yeah. this episode. Maybe I should postpone publishing that interview onto a future episode, scrub every mention of Surfrider. They didn't need to be painted with that brush. They didn't. But then I thought, you published an article about it in the meantime. So I was like, shoot, it's live. Like, it's out there. Like, I need to get this episode out as fast as possible. And then I was like, you know what? More people are going to listen to this episode than any other episode, probably. Surfrider, I think, wants ears and eyeballs. So I just made an executive decision to leave it and just like, let's deal with the fallout and like get as many people aware of this. And and I think it was the right decision in the end, but it put Surfrider in an awkward position, of course. So... I think uh, we just, we owe them a huge debt of gratitude. Like they've really stepped up. They had a meeting about it and they're like, look, I, the show's great. They believe in you and I, and 
they're kind of laughing about the police report being filed. I mean, I will tell you what, that any any organization that has that kind of ethos is, yeah, to me, I mean, Surfrider really uh, put their money where their mouth was kind of like, I, I feel that they're all like, and you know, and I met Chad briefly and everybody else I met here. It's, it's a fairly phenomenal organization, I can say, and not just because I would have, I would have totally been deserved we would have been i mean i would have been deserved to get kicked on my ear and would never even thought twice about it just of course you're not going to allow me back in there i wasn't I even going to plead your coffee table yeah yeah no. i wasn't even to plead with them i was just like hey dude we'll take the slap on the wrist and like oh, it yeah. is what it is we appreciate everything you've done yeah but i get it yeah so but the reality is look in all of life there's a lot of complexity to a situation things aren't black and white but it's easy for an organization to just throw the baby out sure. with the bathroom and just be like, hey, distance ourselves. Let's yeah. get away from this. So I really appreciate them looking at the situation, which I think they do with all the environmental causes too. It's like, well, let's look at it really critically and analyze what really took place. Yeah. <laughs> well, somebody filed a police report over something that was really silly yeah. and a waste of resources. And But the show's great and the show has an audience and we love that audience. And so I think credit, credit to them, surfrider.org. Um, let's talk about the police report. What's your thoughts on it? You know, the whole thing to me was honestly kind of the final chapter in a in a tawdry a tawdry book. Uh, it was like embarrassing. I had to write about it, right? I mean, for me, absolutely. And, and anything that happens at Beachcrest, I mean, between me and Derek, between whatever, like I feel that Beachcrest is a real open book, and that's something. Again, I think I've said it on the show before. It's something I really enjoy about it is that there's. There's no, you know, back room where things are getting hashed out. Everything, everything that happens, no matter how tawdry or embarrassing or silly or whatever is, you know, right there front and center. Um, and so that's why I wrote about it. But it was really, it didn't feel good to write about. The whole thing just felt, it made me embarrassed for Ashton, to be honest, uh, that he would do that. I don't know. I still don't understand what his angle was because I don't know how that reflects positively on him. I, you know... In surf, in my decade plus in surf, I've never even heard of anybody going to the police for anything. Uh, you know, even like real solid beatdowns and stuff like that. Like it's just it's just something that doesn't happen, or or I haven't seen happen. So I was surprised, and then I was just wondering how did how does Ashton think this is going to play out? Like, does he yeah. think that? I mean. Honestly, when it first happened, I was thinking best case scenario is I go to jail because then I've got some sweet stories, right? Yeah. Like how fun would that be? I mean, it wouldn't be fun, but it would be fantastic for stories. And at the end, that's all, you know, more than anything, I love a good story. That would have been a good story. Totally. The way it was is not a good story, right? Like Ashton press charges. It's after, after an already embarrassing tawdry incident, Ashton did something. I mean, to me, the, the way the timeline went, right, is that... I did something super embarrassing by getting way too angry uh, and, you know, not not presenting myself well. Um, And then Ashton went in and, you know, and stab writers went in and trolled anonymously in Beach Grits comments, which that was embarrassing. And I was like, oof. And then on top of that, pressing charge or filing charges, it's like, what what is he thinking? What's happening here? Like, I don't know what kind of alternate universe or reality is is going on but yeah maybe if somebody can explain to me you know why that was a good thing i would i would happily say okay great yeah it's important that we all respect the rule of law in each other's personal space i, I mean I, I just don't get it i honestly don't get it 
look, if you were a threat to society or a threat to your family members or something, and he was like, hey, this guy needs, there needs to be a, a track record, a yeah. paper trail with the police department so that this guy, we can thwart future violence. Yeah. That would be one thing. This was not that at all. Like there's no, and I don't understand, like you said, what his motivation was personally. Um, but I'll, I'll say though, I'll, I will say this. If I'm, if I scared Ashton that bad where he, he went to the police out of an honest, like I'm scared, then I just, I feel, I feel bad. I didn't, I didn't mean to scare Ashton that bad. I don't think you did. I talked to Ashton that afternoon after it happened and I was like, Chaz has zero killer instinct because <laughs> if he wanted to hurt you, he had every opportunity. Like he like had the jump on you literally Ashton. Um, and so there, he. I don't think he felt any threat. I don't think he was scared. I, so I don't know what the legal move there was. Yeah, and maybe um, and maybe it'll come by me. Maybe I'll be hauled off to jail. And maybe, I'll, yeah. Um, I funny I, stories. More than anything, I was just kind of appalled by the misuse of resources. Like, dude, why are you getting the police involved in this? Why are you getting the Surfrider Foundation involved in this? On the drive over here, I was listening to the Adam Carolla yeah. show podcast, and he had Joel McHale on, who was on a show called Community with Chevy Chase. And they were recounting how they would literally, they would get in fistfights. Yeah. Chevy was, I guess, he's an old asshole. And Joel would stand up for the crew and they would get in fistfights. There was no mention of a lawsuit ever filed. There no. was no mention of anything. It was just kind of like, once this guy gets out of line, we get in a fight and then it settles down. And I was I'm, like, thank God. I mean, yeah, like getting, you know, I, I just don't have the time or energy or patience or any of it to, to ever bring the system in. Like, and I don't know, I don't know why... Honestly, I don't know why a man would unless, you know, your family got murdered or something. Something like so yeah. severe happened that you needed to, you know, you needed the law to, yeah. to come help you out. Yeah. But, you know, Bizarre. Strange. Have you heard from the police since and have you heard from Ashton since? I haven't. When, uh, when I was talking to the detective, I asked him one of my first questions was, can I please write about this? And he, his advice was, don't fan the flames. Which, so, you know, I sat on it for a minute, just out of respect for him. Like, I didn't want to make, he seemed, in talking to him, he seemed really kind of annoyed that he had to be doing this. But, but he, you know, once this process got put in place, he had to see it through, right? And yeah. so he, you know, had to spend time and energy and all that. And so for his money, I could totally see him saying, like, look at please, I, this may be silly. Uh, if you make my job more difficult by, uh, you know, fanning these flames, then that, you know, do what you want, but that's not cool. Uh, so I sat on it for, you know, what, like a 10 days or something like that before I wrote about it. But after 10 days, I thought, oh, come on, this is, that's as much as I can. Yeah. That's as much as I can handle. But it's funny. I, I thought I, when he called me, I couldn't wait to write about it. It's a lot like Surf Ranch, I guess. Uh, yeah. I was thought this is going to be the greatest story ever. And the more I thought about it and the more I thought about it, I just thought this is a, this is a dumb story because I'm totally fine. I guess that's the real thing. At the end, I don't mind making myself look like an asshole in stories all day long. I'm happy to be the asshole. I didn't want Ashton to be the asshole, and I didn't know how to write it where because it just was what it was, right? Like, yeah, I get no pleasure out of. I get pleasure out of throwing rocks at people, kind of, you know, like from a distance and and that. But I don't. I don't really want to hurt anybody's character, except for Graham Stableberg. Just kidding, Graham. Uh, but. Um, yeah, so it wasn't when I sat down to write it. It was not an enjoyable thing to write. It was just like oof, felt and like a like a stomach turning kind of thing. I mentioned that to you as well. I think the day of, where I was like, look, 
this is a bigger story than Ashton. Like this almost isn't even about Ashton. It's about the pussification of our culture and yeah. men and society. And like the fact that this is not a shameful thing for him. Yeah. Like he should feel a tremendous shame for doing this. The fact that he doesn't or that he thinks it's justified. I mean, maybe he is the story. Do you, you know? Do you, I mean, that's the thing is, I, so again, to answer your question, I haven't talked to Ashton either. I can't imagine I ever will. I can't imagine he'll call me. I would love to talk to him. I mean, you know, cause I, mostly because I'm absolutely baffled as to what's going, what's going or what went through his mind. Like why, why he thought it would be a good idea to do, to do something like that, especially in surf, right? This isn't, yeah. it wasn't an altercation in Vaughn's parking lot where I back into his car and then, you know, whatever, where he didn't know me or right. whatever, where, you know, yeah. I mean, this is not only, is it not that this is surf where again, maybe surf has changed. Maybe I'm just some old dinosaur. And maybe. but in my mind, you know, scraps in the lineup or scraps on land, don't don't get reported to the police. Yeah. Well, I texted Ashton. After I got off the phone with the uh, sheriff, I texted Ashton immediately. And I was just like, hey, dude, just to let you know, you'll probably hear it from the police. But they contacted me, asked me if I wanted to testify. And I told them no. And I, I was like, I, I hope that whatever you're trying to do, I hope that doesn't like <laughs> affect you negatively. However... For, in my mind, this is a waste of our time. So I just wanted to let you know. So you heard it from me rather than them. And I've never heard back from them since. Yeah. Did, I mean, so. did he respond to the text? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. No. Ashton, let me know what so. you're thinking, buddy. It, it is what it is. Whatever, dude. Moving on. Um, lots of going on in surfing. Yeah. Outside of debate gate. Fun stuff. Lots of stuff, man. Yeah. What do you do? You have anything that you want to lead with? No. Let me let me hear what you're what you're leading. I want to chat about the WSL and Hawaii extracting from Hawaii. Yeah. Do you have any backroom gossip? I mean, I feel that there was new news today about... I felt about, and I didn't get a chance to read it, but it seemed like the Honolulu mayor was kind of back on his heel again. You know, hey, WSL, please come back. Oh, really? I think so. Okay. Not that they left, but yeah. Okay. Let me give a quick primer for people who aren't up to speed. Um, Kirk Caldwell. Kirk Caldwell. Is his name. The Honolulu mayor. He didn't approve permits for the WSL to move the pipe masters from December to January. So I got, again, surf rumor email. I got some info from the North Shore. Apparently, Randy Rarick was always the grease that Mm -hmm. kept the wheels moving. He was. Kind of representing. He appeased the locals to a certain degree and then appeased politicians and the corporations. When I say appeased the locals to a certain degree... He spoke for them, but of course, when you're speaking for any group, there's going to be a portion of the group that doesn't feel adequately represented. It was a real, there was a vocal, a vocal group that was pretty furious about Randy Rarick's. And I've got names in yeah. this, in this write-up okay. of who those people are. So Randy Rarick sold his stake in the WSL, or the ASP, which then became the WSL. And those who purchased it have farmed out a lot of the labor contracts to the mainland suppliers, including trying to push out the Hawaiian Water Patrol team. Yep. So locals are pissed. Simultaneously, there's been some internal investigation into corruption at City Hall involving mm-hmm. the police department. I don't know if you saw any of this, but just a quick detour from Hawaii News Now, which I don't know how reputable that source is. Hawaii News Now, is the, I think that's their that's their like NBC affiliate or whatever. Oh, that's is it like really? Totally legit. Okay. Yeah. okay, cool. So there's charges against the police chief, uh, Louis Kialoha, and his wife, Deputy City Prosecutor Catherine Kialoha. 
Quote, the U.S. Justice Department claims that uh, the couple's abuse of power was to cover up a massive incident of financial fraud and both pleaded not guilty to various crimes. U.S. Attorney Alana Robinson said the husband and wife team were so desperate to fund their lifestyle and maintain their self-possessed status as Honolulu's power couple that they swindled hundreds of thousands of dollars from banks, credit unions, and some of the most vulnerable members of the community. It was an issue during the uh, 2016 mayoral election, which led Mayor Kirk Caldwell to appoint more aggressive police commissioners, commissioners that eventually made a highly controversial deal with Kealoha in January that paid him $250,000 to retire. So there's all this pressure on the mayor's office basically to do everything by the book because of all that corruption and not play favorites with any corporations no matter how long their relationships have been intact. That's a nice, this is a nice nugget right here. Okay, cool. Uh, these corporate, the corporation being the WSL has been doing business on the North Shore sure. for 50 years. It's like Kirk Caldwell can't just push their permit to the front of the line because yeah. he'll look like he's playing these old, you know, banana republic kind of politics. So on the flip side of all of this, there's a lot of local entities on the North Shore who've been campaigning for permits to use the beach during the wintertime, the sure. North Shore's prime, prime wintertime real estate. So the city created provisions where you can't have back-to-back -back contests on the same stretch of beach or yeah. even the same coastline in consecutive days. And the WSL already has other events during those timeframes, Pro Junior events, the Vulcan Pipe Pro, uh, the Pro Junior events at Sunset and Pipe. The Vulcan Pipe Pro is considered a WSL event, right? It is. Yeah, that's yeah. what I thought. Yeah, okay. it's a low, it's like a WSL 1000 yeah, or yeah. something, but it is. So that's the point is they have events stacked throughout the month of January and they're saying, let's put the pipe masters in January. But here was, this was my question initially, which I guess I should have asked publicly, but I was always thinking if the Vulcan Pipe Pro is a WSL event, as well as the pipe masters, why can't they just kick the Vulcan Pipe Pro to December where the pipe masters used to be and and throw the, I mean, they have both, the WSL already holds both permits, right? So the question is, you're saying, why can't they? Who is they? WSL. Because does the, can the WSL just say, we we filed a permit under this name and now we're changing it to this name? Um, sure, unless unless Volcom, and I bet maybe that's maybe probably that's what, what it is, is, Volcom is, either has that permit and the WSL sanctions that event. That's it is a sanctioned it is. event. It's a sanctioned event, but Volcom probably owns the permit. Right. Okay. But but my point was also just maybe the city requires that there's a deadline to do that by or whatever and sure. they didn't meet the deadline. But so. that's the funny thing. Like it, it, to me in the commentary about this whole, you know, kerfuffle, kerfuffle, is it kerfuffle or kerfluff? The first one. Kerfuffle. kerfuffle. Okay. Based on Tom Curran's Instagram handle, yeah. it's kerfuffle. <laughs> <laughs> that's what that's what confused me. Is that's Tom why Curran's you see Instagram. it all the time. Yeah, exactly. But uh like surfers were really getting up in arms or not sir, I don't know about surfers, but some comment commenters were really getting up in arms in various sites about uh, the like how the WSL didn't file the permit on time and blah, blah, blah. And I'm thinking, well, who cares about on time stuff, right? Like since when, when are surfers time conscious, get your paperwork, dot the dot the I and cross the T kind of folk, which I thought that was funny that people really initially, I think, or a few people really got it on the WSL for being you know, remiss in their, in their bureaucratic duties. Which was, I, I don't know if we talked about it on our last show, but Jamie O'Brien had to surf the trials event at the Vulcan Pipe Pro because he didn't file his, yeah, exactly. his entry in time. And it's like, yeah, no duh. Yeah. That's what we do. That's exactly what we do. As surfers. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, you're right. Like, um, the commenters are right about that, but to the mayor's office point, like, Hey, we can't 
make an accommodation for you because we're already in hot water in these other aspects. Sure. So we got to just kind of do it by the book and you guys drop the ball. I mean, it, it does seem though that it was a real, because uh, again, I don't know what today's news is. I'll have to go read it. But you know, when this whole thing first came out, I thought, okay, this is a obviously clearly a tempest in a, in a teacup, right? Like there's absolutely no way that Hawaii is going to thumb its nose at the WSL. Like, you know, Wahoo's people will claim X about of billions of dollars of tourists, you know, blah, 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 but you can claim what you want. But the real truth is the WSL brings not only revenue, not only jobs, you know, not only tourists, but a spotlight to Hawaii each and every winter. And without the WSL there, the spotlight is a lot less bright, uh, at least to the general public, right? There's no way that the, I mean, I don't think the Vulcan Pipe Pro or the Dehui Shootout, as brilliant as they are, get on SportsCenter. But the the Pipe Masters gets on SportsCenter. That's the you know that's the one. And so eventually, you know, after people got their you know feathers up, uh, it was going to work out. And I I still believe it's going to work out between Hawaii and the WCL. There's no other way, right? I'm not convinced it will. You um, think? I mean, there's no way that the yeah. I guess. Case. Well, I guess there's way too many local entities and factions that have their own interests. Like you're saying, you're assuming the goal is eyeballs on the North Shore and tourism dollars. Sure. I think all the local entities are going, Cam Highway is already super packed. We can't even travel. We can't get our kids to school. We don't want more people. We don't want more eyeballs. The Dahui Backdoor Shootout supports the locals. Mm -hmm. We don't care if Sports Center runs it or not. We prefer they don't. So F it. We don't want you guys. Go. Which I completely agree with. And those, you know, those North Shore residents are what they are. But they're, I mean, and are, I think, right, right? Like if I lived on the North Shore, I would say, yeah, take your pipe master and we'll take the permit and we'll run it as a local event. It'll be, you know, an invite, awesome specialty event. It'll be brilliant. You know, I mean, as a fan, I would like that. Yeah. It'd be great. But I just think that, you know, when have city politics and money come together and not done the money thing, right? right. Where, yeah. which I think eventually they'll pass whatever laws they need to pass that the WSL gets whatever it needs. And maybe there'll be a shift here or a accommodation there for some locals like that they'll, you know, WSL will have to guarantee that the event is staffed and water safety and all that are, you know, by locals and blah, blah, blah. But I can't imagine a, I can't see a scenario in which the Pipe Masters isn't there. Part of what I was wondering is if the, and I, I haven't read this anywhere, and, and this is pure speculation, but if uh, Hawaii, the powers that be on Hawaii are angry that they're trying to move it to January and put it at the front of the tour as opposed to the last event of the tour, like December, you know, the Super Bowl event yeah. at the end is a lot different than the kickoff event, right? Like yeah. a kickoff event is fine, but, but... Um, yeah, I wonder, it's way better for Hawaii economically, I would imagine, for it to be in December. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I think, I, I wonder if that move to January might have been a divesting move for the WSL, where it was kind of like, there's too much pressure, and then we have to concede to the locals' demands, because this is our ultimate event at the end of the year. We kind of have to do whatever they say because we need to. Con so this first move is like, let's divest, plant it at the beginning of the year so there's less pressure on it. And then two, three years down the road, maybe we can ditch it all together. I, I completely think that it is a divesture like, uh, and, and lessening the importance of, yes. what, of what pipeline is. I totally agree with that. I just think, though, 
again, and I think we talked about it last time, there's pipeline, I will say, is the one iconic wave in the entire world, right? There's nothing, there's pipeline and then there's everything else, which I mean, if we're going to have the food pyramid of waves, pipelines at the top, you know, and then we have Chopu and blah, blah, blah. And then it, as it, you know, down to trestles in the middle, uh, you, I don't know that you can have a legit tour without pipeline on it. Let me ask you this. Let's step outside of kind of our own surf experience. I think that is absolutely true, but I'm wondering if it's mainly true because we found pipeline in the 60s or like people started surfing it in the 60s and it just became like if we had found Chopu in the 60s, might that have become the pinnacle? I don't think so, because I just think the way pipe is set up, the way the wave breaks, how it breaks, uh, the fact that it's so close to the beach, it's all these things. Right. And no other wave has that. Uh, No other wave is like, I mean, as tacky as it is to call it the proving ground it feels like that's really what that place is and no other place is a proving ground like pipeline right where i mean to know that wave well yeah also i mean it feels like i've never sorry i've never surfed chopu but uh it just doesn't it's it's, it's not an arena no it's not a it's not an arena and b it just seems like the way you surf i think you surf chopu kind of singularly right you just it's a left and you pull in and you drive down. It's more you, perfect. Yeah, it is. But that's what makes pipe, I think, more interesting is there's back door yeah. and there's pipe A. It does different things on different sizes and different swell directions. Um, you have to be really, I think, attuned to, you know, it's what, what makes Kelly and Jamie and these guys who surf it all the time so good is they can look out to see and see the swell direction lines yeah. and know what that swell thing way out there is going to do once it stacks up on you know, or once it hits the reefs and it's those kinds of guys, it's, I mean, surfing pipe is an art the way I think no other way surfing any other wave is an art. Like you can surf other waves beautifully and everything, but I think pipe, I mean, I will, yeah, I'll die quoting, on the pipe hill. Are you quoting Laird Hamilton right now? I, I'm, I should be. I should, but, but Laird, <laughs> did you see that in your article that you posted about him where he's like surfing oh, is, is my, my art? art? I yeah. loved it. I loved so it. Good. Bless Laird. But, uh, yeah. Uh, I'm working really hard to play devil's advocate to sure. try to denounce pipeline, pipeline, but realistically, I don't have an argument. Yeah. My theoretical argument is we are in the infancy of surfing still. Yeah. And let's just look 100 years into the future. And yeah, Hawaii's played an important legacy up until now. But if you know the WSL decides and enough of the populace decides, you know what? Indonesia's actually got the best waves in the world. Let's focus all our attention, energy on that because the local people there are a lot more compliant and the government is making a lot more accommodation the way that the Hawaiian government local people were back in the 70s. And now they're bullying us. Now they're making unreasonable demands. And we're making special accommodation for our Hawaiian events that we're not making in France or Portugal or anywhere else around the world. And we're not willing to do that anymore. It's just not viable for us. I mean, and I totally see why they, you know, obviously why and how they think that. But again, I mean, I love that about Hawaii. I love that the locals have a, not a stranglehold, but still are important there in way and can still stand up and push back to the WSL, right? Or or anybody who comes in and, and tries to make it, you know, something that it's not and, and call it bullying, call it, you know, downright, you know, ugly mafia tactics. But I, I yeah, that's part of what I love about the North Shore. I like it too. I guess my issue or my concern is that they're not a um, centralized 
or focused enough group. Like there seems to be factions within the North Shore community of people want, you know, Eddie Rothman wants this, but then the so-and-so wants that. And they're all part of the North Shore, but they're kind of, there's a little too much infighting for them to actually catalyze and really create a, um, I don't know, not an attack, but a real resistance against... I mean, with the with uh, surfing going, or with the wave pool being introduced into surfing now, right? Yeah. Uh, I feel that, okay, they've, they've kind of split, like, yeah, the whole thing is, it's not broken, but it's really different now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think before the wave pool, I think everything had to be run similarly, right? There only had to be, you could have, or it was important that there was the same amount of, uh, wild cards per event for fairness and things like that. I think now that the wave pool is there, the whole thing, so now surfing can be all kinds of different ways, right? So I would love to see them have, you know, they're having the Surf Ranch event and then just let Pipeline be Mad Max, have it be 50 Pipeline specialists throwing down, mixing it up, have run eight man heats, you know, just make it crazy. Cause why not? Now it's, there's, we have all ends of the spectrum now. So why not just let Pipeline be, the the wild Hawaiian dystopia that it is. It's kind of what the Red Bull Cape Fear event is. Yeah, there are. I, I don't know if it's eight man heats, maybe six man heats, yeah. but it is that. It's and, the Gladiator. And just yeah, let it go mad at pipeline. Yeah. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. That'd be fun to watch. Do you want to hear from the local contingent, Tamayo Perry's own words? Oh, yeah. What's Tamayo have to say? Tamayo. Um, by the way, this is a quite a long rant. Jump in at any point if okay. you have any thoughts that you want to share. Uh, Tamayo Perry on Facebook says... As a professional surfer, I sat in years of meetings and watched Randy Rarick single-handedly lobby city and county officials into changing city and county law to be the most beneficial towards the foreign entity known as the WSL. As he helped dismantle the laws that existed to mostly benefit the Hawaii state taxpayers and the recreational surfers that pay for the use and upkeep of our parks and beaches. The law then actually helped keep a fair balance between Hawaii taxpayers, recreational surfers that travel from abroad, and contest directors to coexist in a fair way. The old law did not allow cherry picking of the best days of the winter season. Back then, once the contest director decided to run an event, the show must go on, rain or shine. 
So it made the contest director have to choose their days wisely. It also helped the, uh, process the competitors very quickly and efficiently, thus finishing the competition, competition quickly, and thus returning the parks and beaches back to the taxpayers of Hawaii. Now that Randy helped change the law, a three-day competition now turns into a six-day competition, and a four-day competition turns into an eight-day competition because they're allowed to run half days. Mm. They can call the event off midday if they want. Another law that Randy helped change was that if you allow women into your competition, you can request for an extra day of competition. This law seems fair enough, but it's more of a loophole rather than an equal opportunity for women. That is to say that if the WS, if the Pipe Masters is normally a three-day event, they can now request a fourth day if they put women in the event. So they usually add an expression session for about four to six women to be able to receive that fourth day. And guess what? They usually throw the women out and crap surf, get the women processed quickly in a 30-minute heat, and then save that entire fourth day to cherry pick for a good day for the betterment of the men's event. It's pretty rude. It's pretty rude. <laughs> you know, is that it? No. Oh. I'm halfway through, but go ahead. I mean, the one thing, no, I've had Eddie Rothman spit venom about Randy Rarick too. And I think a lot of people think Randy has his contingent on the North Shore, obviously, but there's also a lot of people who do severely dislike him. I have no idea how he lives there. Like, yeah, it's not like it's a Los Angeles where you could have people hating you in the city and, and never see him. Like for sure, Randy Rarick is in line with everybody who hates him almost every day at Foodland, which I don't... I don't. I can't imagine being Randy Rarick, to be honest. And honestly, I can't imagine being in that position. No. I don't think Randy Rarick ever set out with like, I'm going to screw the local. Like I live here, I'm going to screw all these local people here. I think Randy Rarick tried to do the right thing for everybody involved. And if you're in that position, you're going to piss people off, no matter what. Maybe, but what if Randy was really greasing greasing his his Pockets? own palm? Yeah. Well, let me get into the next paragraph. Ooh, let's hear. It. <laughs> Um, last but not least, in the not-so-recent past, Liam, Liam McNamara, mm. Poncho Sullivan, Love Hodel, and Reynos Hayes and myself sat in with the WSL board members and actually used the existing Hawaii city and county laws that were put into effect to protect the taxpayers and surfing residents. It's a law that still exists, and it states absolutely at no time uh, should competitors be allowed to have less than four men in the water yeah. for any heat that paddles out? The rule was created to process heats quickly. We, those surfers he just named, used the law in the meeting, and it absolutely worked to get 16 Hawaii resident competitors directly into the main event of the Pipe Masters. Believe me, that was no easy task. Guess what happened? After about two years, Hawaii competitors getting the huge, after two years of getting the break they deserved, the WSL sent Randy back in to lobby the, the lawmakers to get a variance to allow man-on-man -man heats. Needless to say, it screwed the Hawaiian competitors out of the chance to shine and ruined everything that we, the local surfers, had worked so hard to achieve. We are now back to a weak-ass trials event. <laughs> uh, by the way, they put the trialists out in sloppy, dangerous conditions, and they, only, and they now allow non-Hawaii competitors into the trials. And they only allow one or two Hawaiians and sometimes the foreign competitors into that main event. How much is being paid to our lawmakers to allow the WSL to have man-on-man -man variants? How much did Randy get paid to lobby the WS lobby these terms for the WSL? Final paragraph by Tamayo. Um, the city and state law should stand. There should never be allowed less than four competitors in the water at any time. 
in my eyes, the WSL and the former ASP is using closed-door tactics and now blatantly bullying towards our Hawaii taxpaying residents and our elected officials for some time now. If they haven't learned to play by the rules, now is the time. They got to go. Fantastic. Tamayo. Yeah. What a mouthful. Yeah. That's amazing. I mean, I to be honest, I, I have to say I completely agree with Tamayo Perry. Do you? I do, yeah. I mean, I think I think Pipe is funner to watch with four-man heats anyway, and they're overlapping heats. Yeah. You know, there's more waves, obviously, you know, on down the line. Um, and I do think, I think that, again, to my own detriment probably, I, I love the Hawaiian Pipe wild cards. I know they don't often go far, right? I know all the stats of, like, they don't do any better than anybody else, you, you know, even the Pipe specialists and all that. But, like... I love watching those guys surf pipeline. And to me, the, the 16 men in the draw is what made pipeline so fun. Like when I wrote Welcome to Paradise, I remember going up to that board and you see all the WSL ASP surfers at that point against the Hawaiian wildcard. And you know, like Chloe Andino's going up and he's got to be shaking in his boots. Or Dane Reynolds, I remember I had to surf against Jamie O'Brien uh, in round one, heat one, right? And I think that, I think that, I think that year Jamie won, but usually the WSL guy will win. I mean, as the numbers play out, but still, like it just makes it a fun. How often do you do you get to see that uh, a kind of green, you know, wet behind the ears pro surfer from California or Australia have to go up to a a pipeline hardened local? It adds a fun element, and I don't understand why the WSL doesn't do. I mean, you know, they have their studio in Santa Monica, they have the capability, and frankly, the need for original content, why aren't they going and profiling these Hawaiian locals? And you could almost do like an American Idol thing every year at, or like the Olympics do, and have all these stories, these, you know, a lot of those guys are amazing and have amazing stories. And it'd be fun even for the, you know, casual viewer to get to know some of these Hawaiian pipeline specialists. And maybe I just have too big a soft spot, soft spot for pipe and for the locals there. But yeah, to me, there's not even a good guy and bad guy here. I mean, there's a, or, you know, it's just very clear. Like the WSL should have never messed around. They should have kept it 16. I think that's where they went bad is by cutting the 16 trialists out or 16 uh, yeah. wild cards out. I think there's two different things happening simultaneously. There's what is best for the viewing experience of the spectacle, the gladiator arena situation. And then what is a, um, I don't know, consistent and fair level playing field for all competitors at all the events around the world. But again, I think with the introduction of the wave pool now, there's so much different kind, like what is surfing? At this point, once you introduce a wave pool, now you're completely throwing kind of the idea of what is surfing into the air. And so why not then have all these different aspects of it? We have a completely controlled environment on one hand, the surf ranch, where you know, we're actually creating the waves that are coming to these competitors to on the other end of the spectrum, we have this, you know, dog on dog kind of blood fight to the yeah. end. And it, to me, that is surfing is, is both those things now, now that the wave pool is actually a thing. So why not showcase them both? So it seems like what's happening is it's factioning off and there will be predictable wave pool type events throughout the world and wave pool is one of them but maybe there'll be a lot of ocean events but in 
conditions that are kind of more predictable and where everybody gets a fair shake. And those rules apply in the wave pool as they do in Fiji and as they do at Trestles. I just named two events that got canceled. Yeah. But um, <laughs> And then there maybe the pipe thing becomes a specialty event because I was going to argue I don't want to see the 16 wild cards because there's not 16 wild cards allowed in Brazil. So why would you allow it in one place or the other? Except you're right. Pipe is special. Yeah. Pipe is a unique thing. You need to make special accommodation. Well, if you're going to make special accommodation, then it kind of needs to be its own event. You can't really lump it in. There's no similarity between the pipe event and the wave pool event. But, but There's almost zero. But here's what I'll say. Exactly. But since when has surfing been about being fair? Surfing is one of the least fair things in the entire world. I mean, it's you know nature dependent. It's uh, I mean it's. I mean, surfing itself, even not even competitive surfing, you yeah. and I go out to the beach, right, to go surf. We get totally skunked. I could be sitting here and not get away. You could be sitting there and get away. Surfing is unfair, principally unfair. So to try to make it fair somehow to say that because Pipeline has this, then Brazil deserves this or needs this because these guys have that, then over here something else has to happen. Surfing is unfair in its very nature. So let it be unfair. Let, let the events, let each one of its events almost be a... For my money, if each one of the events was almost treated as a specialty event that were strung together for the tour, where to be the best surfer in the world, you have to be able to fight eight guys in the water for pipeline. You have to be able to surf a mechanical wave well, I guess. Now, you know, you have to be able to, I would, I would love them so much to throw out a contest at Snapper with everybody in the water, like, and not all the competitors, everybody, like Throw them out at crowd of snapper. Who can paddle for a wave? Who can actually get a wave at snapper with everybody out there? Weave around people, uh, you know, not get dropped in on. Mick share and, barrels. Mick and Joel. And how fun would that be, though? Which I like. That again. Sorry, I'm stuttering because I'm so excited about this. Is what I would have as the beach grit. Uh, the beach grit event is you throw people out where everybody are, already is. You throw two competitors out to crowded trestles and say look. This is part of surfing is actually getting waves yeah. and surfing around people in your way, right? Yeah. I love it. But the Beach Grid Invitational. The Everyman every Challenge. Everyman Challenge and yeah. everybody's invited. And how fun would it be if you could go out and surf and even get in the way? Like, yeah. you, don't, you, don't like Nick, you don't like Joel, go shoot your board at him. I mean, it, it would be a very, very fun event, I think. I love it. Um, but the WSL is trying... So... I've been engaging with conver- uh, with listeners in conversations through email and, email and stuff, and they're like, I want, as a viewer, I want this or I want that. And like, it's more of a spectacle if we do it this way. Look, I'm on your side. I agree. That would be better. However, the WSL is a corporation whose bottom line is the main priority. And in order to be accepted as a mainstream sport, you need to have an objective judging criteria, a predictable um window when you can run your event so that you could sell it to the licensees and all that sort of stuff. So the WSL is moving towards that goal. Whether or not it's a spectacle or not doesn't really matter. Like the Red Bull and Vulcan Pipe Pro, all those people can create the spectacles. We're going to create something that is a viable sport. Sure, but I guess for my money, once you once you make it viable, once you take the spectacle part out of surfing, uh it's not lose, surfing anymore. You, you lose, lose all of it. You lose all of it. And yeah. and I would, if I was, if somebody said, okay, you're Sophie, move over. Chad Smith is coming in. He's our new CEO. I would actively try to make each one of these events like the biggest spectacle that I could make them, like most pure to what surfing is. Uh, 
and then yeah tie them all together and hey it'd be like yeah i don't know hasn't that iteration already been tried over the last 20 and 30 years i don't think it's been tried well and it hasn't been tried definitely not with the, the theoretical you know both reach and financial backing that the WSL has and also hasn't happened. You know, I think we live in a unique time where these events can all be broadcast super good. And especially now with the Facebook deal, there's a, a great, I mean, like or dislike Facebook. Facebook provides a platform that more people, yeah. I guess theoretically, who aren't traditional surf fans are going to be watching it. Um, so the platform is there. The ability to deliver the content is there. Now let's make these things feel like surfing. I don't want to watch ice skating. I mean, I like ice skating at the Olympics. It's fun to watch there. But is it? Sure. Don't, Heck no. Dude. Don't you get involved in the storylines? Dude, no. I love the storylines. No. Yeah. I watched I, Tanya, and what I about, liked that. What about Johnny Weir? Don't you see him in the stands? Is that the bald guy or the guy with the funny hair? The gay guy. Oh, my gosh, yeah, dude. The other guy might be gay, oh too, but gosh. the flamboyantly gay Yes, guy. I yeah. did see that. So, exactly. So, to me, with Johnny Weir... Uh, ice skating is embracing what it is with him, right? Like, okay, we are clearly a flamboyant thing. So let's stick a totally f the most flamboyant gay man on the face of the earth. Let's put him in the booth. Mm -hmm. uh, surfing doesn't even reach that level of self-awareness uh, where you have, and honestly, I hate to keep droning on about it, but the most boring commenter crew, God bless them all. I'm sure they're all the <laughs> nicest people ever. Worse than watching paint dry. Uh, so you're you're already stripping out any kind of fun level there. Yeah. Uh, and then from there, they just keep on. And again, I understand what you're trying to say. They're trying to make it a sport. They're trying to make it a respectable sport. Surfing is not now, nor ever will be a respectable sport. If they do happen to make it a respectable sport, it won't be surfing. So I could see how these wave pool events in the future would be a, you know, water gymnastics yeah and that's what it would be it's a different thing it's great we maybe i'll learn to love water gymnastics but it won't be surfing and i would like them i would like the wsl to do if i was in charge i would put what is the i would sit down with everybody and say okay let's really figure out what is the core of surfing like not professional surfing not competitive surfing what is surfing about it's about fighting it's about you know i think they did sneaking. that i think they did that and they go that's not equitable. That's not. There's no way to make that an equitable business yeah. model or a sustainable business model. We can we can maybe make I don't know ten million bucks a year selling ad space, but we're not going to be the NFL. We're not going to be the UFC. We're not going to make hundreds of millions of dollars. So why even do this business? They're not, I mean, they're never going to do that though. Like it's going to be. A, they think they can. But I, I guess the amount the, of money that's been invested into it is with the ex expectation of that return. I mean, so I guess. For my from my position now, what I think that I mean, which is very I would imagine clear to people, the wave pool is the WSL's future, not necessarily competitively, competitively, but also selling wave pools. Yes. Right? They own that technology, so they will sell these around the globe. They need something. They need lipstick on the pig. They need something to sell the wave pools. Why not? What's better than having a league? Like having people go out and surf. So of course, pipeline and all these things become totally tangential to the main goal. They're good in that they can get airtime, say, other places that make people think about surfing that'll eventually drive to the wave pool. But, you know, that's, I think that's what the WSL, that's that's the end game, is how many wave pools can we sell around the world? It's a big part of it, for sure. Um, you're advocating for the spectacle of the Pipeline event. Did you watch the Nazare event this past weekend? Hell no. <laughs> Did you? Hell no. <laughs> 
Yeah. No, even good Nazare doesn't get me excited. But that, bad But Nazare, that is a spectacle. Like that's half of what you're advocating for is that event. Sure. It is a gladiator pit with guys. Yeah, I mean, it is a spectacle, the, the, but it's not pipeline. Exactly. I mean, the problem with big wave surfing is spectacle. I, I, you know, all of them, Jaws, Nazare, Mavericks, is just big waves. The swell intervals, intervals too long. So unless you have awesome interstitial stuff, I'm not going to watch it just because I don't want to sit and wait 30 minutes to see one wave come through. Um, but yeah, like for, yeah, I mean, pipeline, you just get way more waves. Right? Uh, definitely. And they're more exciting waves. Like yeah. the Nazare specifically is just... It's a burger. It's a burger. Even though it's victory at sea, which there's yeah. an element of that that's kind of interesting. Well, and, and like Shane Dorian and stuff says it's like really, really dangerous and really hard. I mean, there's, yeah. the surfers actually surf. It's easy to sit at home. For, for me, it's a, it's a burger. But I'm sure it's highly technical and way difficult. But it, I guess Look, it's not a burger. It looks like a burger. And if it looks like a burger... It's a burger of a big wave. Yeah. It's not... There's no barrel section on it, yeah. you know? Like there's... Guys take off in the right position and they still can't outrun the whitewash yeah. because it's a burger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, of course, we're not minimizing the athletes that are out there like, yeah, those guys are gnarly. And we're yeah. sitting at home criticizing them. But... I'm officially taking a stand. After I, I didn't watch the event live, but I watched the recaps. I'm officially taking a stand against big wave competition. Yeah. Not big wave surfing, big wave competition. I watched it and I was like, this swell forecast had all the makings to be an unbelievably successful event. And then it underdelivered. Like the waves were too small, but they already greenlit it. Everybody flew from around the world. The production's in place. They have to run the show. If they don't run the show, you and I are going to come on Monday and criticize them. Yeah. And the internet will. So they're like, crap, we got to pull the trigger on this thing. So they run it. And then it's a lackluster event. Swell interval. It's boring to watch. There's not enough waves. And I'm, I'm realizing as somebody who wants big wave surfing to succeed, as a viewer who loves it and wants to watch it, I'm going, this is not a good package. Yeah. It just isn't. So... I think that trying to force competition or the or I guess the proven competitive format that we've seen successful on the CT, it's a square peg in a round hole in the big wave environment. I think I would be more likely to watch that day of surfing if they just streamed the free surf. Yeah. Didn't put jerseys on the guys. Just let the guys go out there and surf. I would watch that more likely. Or if they just do an award ceremony at the end of the year like they do with the big wave awards where it's like all right well back in january this that guy got the biggest, biggest wave. wave there's no need to put it in a one-day format put everybody in jerseys give them 60 minutes calculate the score like that part of it i don't think works i think it oops i think it works okay at jaws and at waimea and at mavericks when mavericks is good uh i don't think it works at nazare and where else belhara where else do they do the the chile wave well, they don't anymore. There's Punta Lobos. Now it's Puerto Escondido, Jaws, Yeah, so Puerto, Puerto Escondido would be a fun... Because it barrels. Yeah. But even then, I don't know that that's more exciting than watching the free surf version of that's it. That's true. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I agree with you. The Jaws event was insane the last two years because they got the best possible yeah. conditions and the best possible... So if everything aligns perfectly... Then it works. It just it just shouldn't be a tour. I think if you if everything aligns perfectly, then you can have a job like the Eddie, right? I mean, yes, the fact that the exactly. Eddie runs when it works and it doesn't run, and they don't trot people out and they don't try to have a tour around it. It just is what it is. So yeah, if they had the Eddie, a Jaws event, to have a Nazare event or whatever, they should just have them stand alone. You shouldn't be yeah. They shouldn't have a big wave championship tour. 
I was advocating for it. When they're putting it together and they're trying to make it work, I was all in. And I tried to watch a number of events and then they don't run certain events throughout the year. And it was kind of like, now that you built this expectation, I expect you to deliver. And then the delivery has been lackluster. It's really hard to follow. Or intermittent. It's hard to follow. Then it runs and we don't even really care for some reason. So I just realized, I was just like, no, square peg, round hole. I'm anti-competition or end of the year recap competition is the way to go. I think I'm not anti-competition. I'm anti-tour. I'm all for the one or two events that deserve to be held a year because yeah. the conditions are there. Yeah. Like that's fun and that's fun to talk about and you know, it gives a couple days of excitement. But I think the biggest challenge that, there though is then how do you green light it and get everybody there on time? Once you, just, you commit to that, it might the swell might dissipate. And if it does dissipate, then it's just I mean, you're treating it like a loss leader. If it if it dissipates, you're like that's why the Eddie is so smart. You just don't run. Like they shouldn't have run that uh, Nazare event. That wasn't there. But it's easier for the Eddie because everybody's already on the North Shore for two months yeah. straight. Yeah. They just have to drive down the highway yeah. to get there. You don't have to fly around the world. That's true. Know? Okay. Um, give me 2018 to 2019 recommendations for the WSL. I saw you make a claim that you think there should be a new location on tour. Well, where? Where yeah, did I say? Oh Yemen, yeah, I totally think they should go to Yemen. It's the world surf, it's the world surf league, and it's. I feel the world is well underrepresented. It's a good point. Yeah, I mean, so sell. Give me the sales pitch for Yemen as a surf destination. Well, it wouldn't be that great. I mean, it's great. It's a great country. Everybody should go. Stop bombing Saudi Arabia, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But no, I was I was just trying to think. Okay, if we could crack open here, uh, if we could crack open and really think where where in the world would you want to see people go beyond just the waves and Yemen I would love to see culturally I would love yeah not only is it beautiful culturally but I would love to see the professional surfers on tour like trying to figure out how to navigate you know different militias and terrorist groups and sorting out you know their transportation it'd be a fun it'd be a fun movie a fun show uh how are the waves they're fantastic I mean Yemen has great and obviously nobody surfs so it's perfect but uh yeah I surfed some super, you know, not WSL level fun, but yeah, some good trestles like waves. Uh, and then the island of Socotra has fairly phenomenal waves, which is closer to the Horn of Africa than Yemen. It's way out there at sea, but yeah, it gets phenomenal lefts. Socotra. Socotra. Is that a surf destination already? No. Okay. Yeah. Well, you've surfed it. Yes. Um, would that WSL event in Yemen? perhaps save or bolster Yemen's economy? I don't think so. I don't okay. know how much the WSL brings in. How much do you think the WSL brings in? When there's talk about WSL bringing X amount to, like I, I will argue all day that in Hawaii, yeah. it's more than just the actual physical amount they bring of dollar bills. But like in Yemen, I mean, you got to figure what, it would be like a couple hundred thousand dollars of money that would go to the local population to build the scaffolding. And I mean, honestly, if it was, uh, I don't know, a good or a substantial amount of money, a viable amount of money, Fiji would have them back yeah. this year, right? Yeah. I mean, the reason they're not in Fiji is because Fiji was partially funding. They were getting like government funding to run the event. So I would imagine the WSL isn't actually bolstering the community. No, or I don't think so. Economic- I, mean, I think a lot of what the WSL brings, I would imagine, is is tangential stuff Yeah. where Fiji doesn't need more. But Fiji would want more tourists, you would think. I mean... Right? Unless they're already at capacity. I don't think so. I, I mean, maybe Tavarua is at capacity, but I yeah, can't yeah, imagine exactly. Fiji is, right. is, you know, hey, tourists, we're, we're done. 
Well, so then, but that's the point is the surfing tourists that the WSL is bringing all want to be on Tavi. Yeah. Like they're not going to go to Fiji and wander the city. You yeah. Know? Uh, or they might just on the entry and exit. Um, my biggest thing that I want for 2018, 2019 WSL to change is judging. Mm. And you mentioned figure skating. Yeah. Right? So listener sent me a note and it was like, dude, the figure skating, they run their whatever, their route or their, yeah. what, what do they call it? Uh, lap? Sure. They run their lap. Routine. That's not, routine. That's yeah. what it is. They run their routine and they have to then go into a private room in front of a camera and the judges review the routine. They actually don't view it in real... I mean, they view it in real time, but they don't write down a score haphazardly before the next guy catches a wave or runs their routine. They actually like review it all, make a critical analysis, write down the scores, collaborate. Then they post the scores on a screen for the skater to watch and they televise their reaction to seeing the score, which makes a spectacle for the viewer how, to see them respond. How fantastic would it be if... I mean, I've thought this for a while, how great it would be if they didn't score during the heat, if afterwards they scored the... Like, now no more does the scale get thrown off. You have the entire body of work exactly. right there. I think that was my idea originally. You probably was. Was yeah. it your idea? Yeah. I think it was. Yeah. Let's You're go totally to the tape. Right. Yeah, but for sure, that's the best. That would be the best way to do it. And also, I think again, I've been calling for a minute of the. You've got to have a level of difficulty as part of the. So you can surf a wave perfectly, and you know, not do anything real and get a X score. You could surf it. You know, the just the scale needs to have difficulty of what you're doing factored in, and yeah. it doesn't right now. No, it doesn't. So I agree with you. There's no point in scoring the event live anymore there was prior to cameras and review and all that sort of stuff but now there's no need for it so let's let the two surfers surf for 30 minutes at the end of that 30 minutes we will review it yep also the judges should be in a soundproof booth like well at this point i guess if you're doing the judging after the fact the soundproof part doesn't matter the judges i think the judges should not be not only should they i think the judges should not be there and yeah, shouldn't be with each other like the judges should totally. be almost at home yeah uh or wherever like they could go to a cubicle somewhere wso could set up different cubicles around wherever they are go in punch in their score and be completely unmoved by yeah. anything else exactly there's no at the end of the heat again pipe masters final exchange jeremy flores needs an 8.3 in 16 seconds, he gets the wave of backdoor. The judges shouldn't know that he needs an 833 yeah. in that scenario. Yep. It, that's where the soundproof booth or the removal comes in handy. Yep. Where it's like, no, I'm just going to watch him surf the wave as compared to John John's waves. I also don't know what John John got yeah. on his waves. But this one looks slightly better than those. 8.6. Yep. But knowing that he needs the 833 and having the beach roaring and seeing... It, it's just... You're gonna, you're subject to all of that. I mean, I've seen, How can you know, you not be? the times I was at or been to Pipeline and you see a wave from the beach and it looks like the most amazing thing you've ever seen. You think, how is that not a 10? And then you go back and watch it and think, oh, like that wasn't that great a wave. No, Where, but it was the sound and the Yeah, roar. it was the energy yeah. and the excitement and the whole thing, which that stuff should never factor into a score. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why they bring the judges out, to be honest. I don't know what. Because we've always done it. It's just tradition. Yeah. But that's all. Yeah. It's time for that tradition to go away. Yeah, I agree. All right. Um, it's a brave new world. Facebook world. That's right. 
Well, Chaz, I want to offer the opportunity to introduce a new segment today. I don't know if you prepared for this segment. This segment is titled Chaz Bitches. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. It's a play on Like Bitchin', yep. the website that once existed. It was so good, that website. I just thought you had lots of things to bitch about. And I see it on beachgrid.com oftentimes. And so I wanted to give you 90 seconds to sound off. I won't even respond. Okay. Just whatever you want. So here's the thing. You sent this to me. And I was thinking of all the things I wanted to bitch about. And then I was thinking each one of these makes me sound like an old man. And so, That's you know, the point. It's, yeah, it's old man bitch. And so then I thought, well, the thing that I'm most mad about is when people bitch, kind of. Uh, and in future episodes of Chaz Bitches, and this, this one can be held just up to show my hypocrisy. Uh, but it makes me real angry and frustrated internally that Americans don't have the word whinging, Right. I mean, did I say Americans? Yeah, Americans don't have it. Australians have whinging. So the concept in Australia of this kind of low-level bitching that's not, I don't think, I don't think whinging reaches the level of bitching, uh, but you're just able to complain and just whinge about anything. And, and you shouldn't whinge about stuff. Like just being a fly in the ointment, bitchy, whinger, it's not a good look for a man. It's, mm. it's as bad a look as going to the police when somebody jumps across a coffee table at you. So... I'm really frustrated that America, the American English dialect does not have whinging as part of it. And the, the concept of whinging doesn't exist. We should bring it here. None of us should be whingers. We shouldn't whinge about this or that. We should just drink a cup of concrete and harden the fuck up, as the Australians also say. Uh, should we rebrand the segment as Chaz Whinges? Yeah, Chaz Whinges. Okay, yeah, then I'll, do it. Then I'll whinge about stuff. Now, is as a linguist, yeah. is whinging... An actual word in the dictionary, or is it a yeah like an think, amalgam of? It's a it would be a word in in Australia the Australian you know dictionary of Australian lexicon whinging and it's probably English British Isles too I would imagine. So we have like the English Oxford dictionary. What is does uh, Australia have their own version of? Yeah, that? I think so. Yeah, they would have the they, of of the of Australian dialect. I'm sure it would be like the Oxford uh, dictionary of Australian dialect. Yeah, the Australian Oxford. Yeah. Okay. Good yep. to know. So that's it. So I'm right. real I'm real bitchy that we don't have whinging. Got it. And from now on, yeah. All right. I'm it's, gonna a, it's a segment. Yeah. Um, I got a couple barrel or gnaws for you if you'd like to close out the Perfect. show with that. Sure do. Barrel or gnaw, Sean White. <sighs> you know, Sean White uh, is a great guy, maybe. Um, I've hung out with him a couple times. He was nice to me. Um, but I'm going to say no. Nah. I'm so tired of the Sean White show. Are you really? Oh, it, it, it's exhausting to me. Watching the fact that Sean White is the one representative of any of, you know, the action extreme sports. That It's Sean White, Sean White, Sean White. I'm just really, really, really tired of Sean White. And I don't like the way his 1440 thing looks, like all twisted back. The way his grabs look is not pretty to me. So I'm annoyed by his style. Um... I get that he's, you know, phenomenal and sticks it when he needs to and all this kind of stuff. But, yeah, I, I am not on the Sean White train. I'm a, I'm a Yuri Patlachikov man. The, oh. guy, the guy who won the gold in Sochi. Okay. He's, he's my guy. So, yeah. Chaz, by the way, Sean White's a local guy for you. Yeah. San Diego it's guy. Carl's, Carlsbad kid. Your wife is an ex-pro snowboarder. Yep. So you got a lot of connections to Sean White. I do. And you're going nah. I'm going nah on Sean no, White. No. I'm, going, I'm going barrel on snowboarding. I love snowboarding. Okay. But Sean White, I'm giving a big fat nod. You're going to get that album, Snowboard? Remember we were there last time? Yeah, it was time? so beautiful. I totally am going to get it. We, we got to give that a shout out. Yeah. Album Surf also has a limited run of snowboards that are here. That are phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. Um, so look phenomenal. 
What is what's the rotation Sean White does? Fourteen. I think it's a, it's a something fourteen forty, and I can't remember what the first name is, or the what it's called a cork something fourteen forty. But yeah, um, it just doesn't look good. That's Co- the thing. Cote calls it a two thousand seventy. Yeah, exactly is what Cote calls it. Dead Cote. But uh, the thing I hope that surfing in the pool never reaches snowboarding levels where guys are doing 1440s or something in the water. To me, once you hit a certain amount of rotation, I just get completely lost and can't follow it. I, me too. I love... You have to have a trained eye for yeah, it. Yeah, a straight method to me is like the most beautiful, like a really tweaked out straight yeah. method error is the most beautiful snowboarding error for my money, which doesn't have one twist. Well, I <coughs> think you're I think you're going to be on the minority of that argument. Yeah. Um, Albie Layer took to Instagram and was like, Watching the snowboarding, snowboarding in the Olympics makes me realize how under-evolved we are as surfers still doing the same old stuff. I mean, they should just, they should do a better job. I think surfers should do a better job of doing their airs more beautifully. Yeah. Like the, it's funny having, we have a little beach grit program. It's top secret, but it's going to come out pretty soon. Uh, but part of it involves the way surfers approach air or doing airs is totally different than the way snowboarders go up expecting to land. Surfers go up just trying to, you know, huck as hard as they can, hoping that somehow magically, magically they land. Excuse right, me. right, right, right. Uh, and that, to me, it's the, it's the I'm just going to go up and, you know, the body's all tweaked out. Rarely do surf, not that surfers don't look good, but rarely do spins look really good. Like, do they look like they're on purpose? It looks like, whoa, the guy, I can't believe I landed always at the end. Well, I mean, that's the blessing and the curse with all of surfing, I think, is like, the reason that is the case is because it's an unpredictable surface sure. and playing field, which creates maybe some ugly moments. But then when it comes together, it's, beautiful. it's spectacular. <clears throat> and I guess so. I guess that, you know, when, you know, a few years ago when people were first doing full rotation airs kind of regularly, it looked more or less spastic. And now it looks like when John John throws one, it looks so clean and so in control or Philippe or Gabby or whoever, like the guys who do them good, yeah. throw them like they mean to land them. Or the... the ones that are the most spectacular are the ones where they hit either a something they weren't anticipating hitting or the wind catches the board and it whips them additionally or just in a they have to improvise mid air yeah and then they stomp it and that becomes exciting that's again, nice you know i like that so it's the blessing and the curse all right barrel or not nah, sex bots sex bots i'm going to go what did I see? I feel I saw sex bots in a movie recently. Well, it's in the news now. There's, uh, I don't know who the company is, but there's like brand new ones that are super lifelike, yep. $15,000, no need for a human being anymore. I'm holding the line on masturbation and saying nah on sex bots. Well, I thought the sex bots would be in place of, if you're saying nah on masturbation, I thought maybe the sex bots would be a yeah. But I'm thinking sex bots are just, you know, it's just evolved masturbation. Mm. It's no different. Okay. It's no, unless the sex bot was programmed. To like you really had to try hard to get to get the sex bot to fall in love. She plays hard to get. Totally, you have to really. He or she. Yeah, he or she. You have to really woo the to get bot. to get the sex bot into bed. How then, awesome would that? be? Then I would be I would be barrel. What? If, yeah. What if the sex bot had mood swings? Yeah, like some a just headache. I'm not in the mood. Yeah. Sex bot just slaps you one day and it just rolls over in bed. You got to bring the sex bot flowers. That'd be Man. pretty great. Yeah. Man. That would be amazing. Yeah. I think that's coming. Tesla's like that. working on it. Actually. I like that. Good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, barrel or so we got nah, nah, Sean White, nah, sex bots. Yeah. Dang. Okay. No, I'm all whingy now. <laughs> barrel or nah, Tom Curran roller skating. So okay, I thought a lot about this, and I I have to give it a barrel, even though every part because you looked, it was so awesome looking, 
like when I first saw it, you know, Aki and Tom Kern are going to go roller skating. I was like, oh, come on. Don't make these guys do gimmicky stuff. Like, don't roll them out like old broken down horses and just make them do gimmick shit. But they looked, both of them looked so funny and good roller skating. Because so, that was their heyday. Yeah. They came about with the roller skating era. And that's the thing. I thought they were going to go out and like awkwardly stumble around on their right. skates. But they, both of them, even, especially Aki, I thought. Aki looks like he roller skates all the time. So did you watch that episode? I just watched that, that roller portion. skating. Okay, yeah. so for listeners, the Auk cast was where this was published. Um, Aki's interview kind of web series started out as a podcast. He interviewed Tom Curran. Is it not a podcast anymore? They still do the audio podcast okay. version. But oh, but no, it's a they video. Do, they also video and then work in a lot of um, stuff like that. Okay. S- skits, okay. you know? And I would argue now it's a visual platform medium because this is the most entertaining part about this yeah. isn't Aki's interview skills. It's watching them roller skate. Sure. You know what I mean? And watching that old like archival footage of yeah. Curran is insane. Anyway, two years ago at the boardroom show in San Diego, Tom Curran showed up on roller skates. Fantastic. See? Unsolicited. Just like bought a ticket. Maybe he got a gifted ticket, but he showed up in the venue at Del Mar. On roller skates. On roller See, skates and, so, and skated the venue. And so that's why that segment worked beautifully because it wasn't a gimmick. No. They both actually roller skate and apparently liked roller skate like they must have been chatting one time and said oh i roller skate you roller skate yeah let's roller skate which so again i thought it was going to be a full gimmick it was clearly not gimmicky at all beautiful which is the genius of tom curran bravo yeah he's he's insane kerfuffle kerfuffle and then i don't know if you saw this i posted it on instagram he named a skimboard super dave oh (laughs) brilliant i haven't thought about super dave in forever not only does he name his skin board, but he names it Super Dave. So, like, it's so good. When dude. was the last time Super Dave was even in the news? Super Dave Osborne? Yeah. He does um, episodes of Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee with Jerry Seinfeld. Okay. I think he has two episodes on there. Okay. But he's not like, I don't think he's really working. No, Super Dave Osborne. Super Dave Osborne had a cartoon. Remember the Super yeah. Dave cartoon back yeah, in the yeah, day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Somebody did chime in and say Super Dave is the guy who shaped that skimboard or built it or something with current i'm gonna i'm gonna claim it's super dave osborne well that's what i, I was like yeah. well dude super dave who built the skimboard just ripped his name yeah. his nickname off super dave osborne so exactly. i'm not acknowledging that yeah but amazing name for a skin fantastic all right so that's a yeah all right back in the yeah column yeah. barrel or not kelly slater correcting people's grammar on instagram anybody who corrects anybody's grammar on instagram to me is the biggest not ever okay like I loathe grammar correcting. See, I do too, but when Kelly does it, all of a sudden I'm in. I mean, it's funny, I guess. Have you seen that he's been doing it? No. What, what is he? Is he like there, there? I haven't seen it. You are. Uh, he's correcting. You'll see him regularly yeah. in posts, correcting people's you are. I think it's, I don't think he's actually the grammar Nazi. I think he okay. knows that it's a funny gimmick. You Kelly, know? Kelly being an ironic grammar Nazi, I'm totally, if that's what it is, then I'm straight up barrel. I'm I the think, biggest barrel ever. I agree. I, I think he's I'm been trolled girl. so much by so many people that he's just like, F it. I'm going to yeah. start trolling randos. Great. Good with, on you. Good yeah. on you, Kelly. Yeah, that's, that's funny. Good. The grammar Nazis deserve to be trolled and embarrassed out of the room. I'll tell you what. There's a part of me that wants to correct people at times. However, we're all going to make mistakes. Sure. I, I always end up, obviously, I don't have an editor that yeah. reads everything that I put out there. So it's like I end up making mistakes too. And then I'm just a hypocrite. And that's so the thing. I, the, people I, who, the people who are, it's, yeah, back to being unself aware of like, 
really going out after other people's grammar where clearly everyone's got mistakes. And I get the yor yor there there. Like there's big glaring ones that sure it's you know, it's confusing. Even sometimes it's better if we stick to those. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. All right, Kelly Slater, that's a yeah. I just yeah. Kelly, for the record, I swayed Chaz from a nah back to a yeah. I totally so welcome. If you're doing it ironically. You're welcome, Kelly Slater. Ironical. Um, all right, Chaz, in closing, how do people contact you? You can email me at chaz at beachgrit.com if you want to. I'm on Instagram at reports from hell or always at beachgrit.com. How many Instagram followers do you have now? I think it's like 140 or something. I thought it was higher. I, I thought it was up in the 50s, 150. 150,000 that is. For yeah, yeah. How's, I, don't, I don't know, maybe 145. How is it being an Instagram uh, celebrity. Well, that's the thing is, I mean, there's, I don't think you get Instagram celebrity status until you get a million. Oh, I feel, really? I feel right. Okay. I don't know. It feels like, yeah, feels like a million. Then once I get a million, I'll let you know how it feels. Can you monetize it? No. I mean, maybe. At People, a million you could. Yeah, maybe. People ask me fairly regular, or I don't know about regularly, but sometimes if I would promote this or that product, which I haven't yet. Why not? Uh, because it's bad rhetorical. If there was a product that I really felt good about that they wanted me to, then I would be all, all in. Yeah. I'm not going to ever, not a beach grit and not on my Instagram, put something out that I don't actually like myself. It's not bad rhetorical. I mean, it doesn't have to be bad rhetorical. No, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here hawking, uh, life, health insurance on the podcast. But I believe in health insurance. And, well, exactly. And life insurance. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. I mean, what, I guess what has been brought to me is not the level of, if somebody brought me life insurance, I'd be all in. Yeah. I need some. You want to hear the sales pitch? Yeah. All right. <laughs> I do want to hear your feedback yeah. on it. Uh, first of all, they got a hold of me. Yeah. It's a company. They have offices in San Diego, but the, the whole model is you get, um, incentivized like with your car insurance if you're a good driver you get good driver discounts right so with this it's kind of like you get incentivized for living a healthy lifestyle so you can't just sign up for their their program you have to qualify for it and it's like you're if you're a marathon runner that's a certain incentive they run blood work and things like that to verify all of these things but they reached out to me because they were like dude we're big in the running community and the swimming community iron man stuff like that but we're interested in surfing because obviously you have to have an athletic kind of lifestyle to get into surfing. And I'm like, well, I looked into it. I'm like super legit. If you have life insurance, they, you save money by doing it this way. For sure. It seemed like a slam dunk. I'm like yeah. my listeners benefit. I benefit. I believe in the company, yeah. like forward thinking company. And it's like, they're alleviating the burden on the healthcare how system. Do, how do people respond? Love it. Oh yeah. Dude. So they contact me. They're like, we've got tremendous response. And then I talked to a friend who was like, dude, I started, I signed up for that. He's like, it's, I'm saving money. Yeah. They're super cool to work with. Like, yeah. See, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Again, and to make my position clear, it's not that advertising is bad. It's that advertising products that you don't believe in. I think that everybody's done that for so long that it's this low bar now that everybody just expects everybody or, you know, anybody publicly kind of to shill whatever, whoever's paying them. Yeah. Where I think being, if we all dialed it back and said, no, I will not sell your pro or, you know, I won't even talk about your product unless I actually believe in it, then everybody benefits because you talk, you like, you actually believe in this health insurance and it's actually good. I mean, I'm sorry. Well, yeah. If, is it health insurance? No, or it's life. Life insurance. So it's like, look, if you need life insurance, save yourself some money, sure. use this, and then it supports the show. If you I like wonder, I would like to know from the life insurance people, how healthy surfers are compared to runners. Like oh, are surfers good. just all filled with gross super bugs from surfing bacteria. toxic, yeah, bacterial waters. 
or are they pretty good comparatively? That's a good question. Could we They're interview, still, could we interview yeah. the life insurance guy? We'll ask him how they are. Totally. How doing. Okay. Uh, here's my other concern, though. As I've kind of um, started negotiating these partnerships and stuff, it's like my thought was I'm going to go non-endemic, right? Sure. And like these guys are a great fit. And But then I realized when people are actually using the product – I am directing dollars outside of surfing. Yeah. So I think it's a smart thing for me to take non-endemic dollars to fund the show because then they don't care if you get in a fight with Ashton on the show. Sure. Who gives a crap? Yeah. But now when I'm directing dollars outside the industry, I kind of have a conscious about that. So then I was thinking, well, maybe to solve that, I do like affiliate programs with endemic brands where it's like, hey, donate a wetsuit. We'll raffle it off for free. That way you get publicity out of the show. Beautiful. I'm not taking your dollars. You're just giving away a little product, but you get the same amount of publicity as the non-endemic paying. The- Beautiful. I love it. Solve the problem. I love paying. I love paying it back to the industry too. You know um, what I mean? Yeah, completely. Yeah. The surf industry as dysfunctional as it gets, but God bless it all. All right. We solved the bad vertorial yeah. laundry. It's only bad vertorial if you don't believe in it. I agree. We benefit. The company benefits. Listeners benefit. Beautiful. All right, dude. Uh, well, send surf rumors surfsplendorpodcast.com slash contact anonymous rumor mill beautiful yeah uh, and then of course huge shout out to the surf rider foundation for getting our back standing yep. behind the show we really appreciate it surfrider.org 25 bucks a year i subscribed good for ba- you based on this oh yeah whole thing it made me think oh man those are the kind of people we need totally Totally. Somebody that looks at the nuance of the situation and finds out what to do. And invites me back. Exactly. So surfrider.org. And then, of course, surfsplendorpodcast.com where we dis- uh, post videos, photos of everything that we discussed in this show. Comment section. And then we'll post this on beachgrid.com as well. We'll be there. All right, man. Chaz, until next week, get barrel. <laughs> <laughs>